Welcome to the Losing Weight with Fasting and Mindful Eating podcast. I am your host, Monika Banach, an advanced practice nurse and a weight loss coach. I am so grateful for you taking the time to listen to today's episode. Hello everyone, I'm super excited about this episode. Angelica Lopez, my awesome friend, and I will be discussing topics related to binge eating, stress eating, emotional eating, boredom eating, all types of eating, and we'll talk about how to overcome it. And we're also going to discuss how to get back on track after you have fallen off the wagon and like with fasting or weight loss, working out or your refeeds, whatever it is. So a quick disclaimer before we start, everything that we discuss here is based on our personal knowledge and our experience. It is not meant to be a medical advice. So you should always talk to your doctor before you start any kind of new fasting routine, workout routine, and so forth. So I want to introduce my awesome friend, Angelica. We are both administrators of the private Facebook group, the Ladies Only Facebook group. So if you're not part of it, be sure to join it. I'm going to include a link in the description to our Facebook group. So Angelica's bio is amazing. It would probably take me like two days to read all of it. So I had to summarize it a little bit. She's amazing. She was born in Chicago, attended the University of Illinois and Chicago School of psychology, right? Mm -hmm. She obtained her degree in forensic psychology. She's the founder and owner of the Adivar Investigative Group. Did I say it right? Yeah, Adivar. Uh And she specializes in providing case evaluations, suspect interrogation, victim and witness interviewing, expert witness services and evidence, and lots of other stuff. She also owns a custom balloon decorating company named Angel Creations. She has worked as a surveillance agent, forensic investigator, and interrogator, and communications coach for quite some time. She specializes in criminal interviewing interrogations at the federal level. This is part of the reason she's not on a lot of social media platforms, but you can get in touch with her on our private ladies Facebook group. And she's under the name A-R-L-O, secret name. <laughs> and the name of her group is The Real Snake Diet for Women. Again, I'm going to put a link in the description notes on this podcast and the YouTube video. So one of the reasons I have clicked with Angelica is because we're both very passionate about helping others and empowering those around us. She's done a lot of amazing volunteering stuff and nonprofit services, which is awesome. And she's also a busy mother of two. She's completed Ironmans in the past. She's a trail runner. She loves to lift heavy like myself. And she lives a fasting-focused life. So welcome, Angelica. Thank you so much for being here. I love chatting with you. We talk a lot all the time. So yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you. So I'm going to go ahead and have you start talking about the subject of what to do 
when you get off track, when you mess up with your refeeds or you binge eat and how to get back on track. All right. So it's happened to us before we've gotten off track and we're so down on ourselves and we're very hard on ourselves. I've done it plenty of times. I feel like when it happens, it's really something that triggered it. It just doesn't happen out of the blue. For me, I feel like it comes in the form of stress in some way, shape or form, whether it be work stress, children's stress, just, you know, random stress, spousal stress. And it literally takes something very small to trigger that. It could be as easy as somebody cutting you off on the road. It could be a mood that you're feeling. You're just not feeling it. You're feeling a little down you're having a a stressful day. I think it it just depends on the circumstance. And what I've noticed is that when you initially have that thought, there's probably like a three second thought process that happens because you're have a conversation with yourself and you say, am I going to stick to the plan or am I going to derail from the plan? And in that conversation with yourself you know it's like having the angel and the devil on one side you start negotiating and in your mind you start negotiating okay so if I break and I start eating what am I going to have to do to clean it up because you do have that thought process and a lot of women and a lot of people that are fasting will tell you it just happened it just doesn't happen you actually have a thought process involved in there somewhere about your decision to break your regimen. And I think the most important part is to really, really hone in on that conversation that you have with yourself. I know I've done it before where I say, okay, I'm going to eat this, you know, hot dog, or I'm going to eat this piece of pizza, and then I'm going to hit it hard, right? But in that instance, you know that what you're doing is not going to be good. It's not going to feel good emotionally and physically, it's not going to feel good because the food that we're usually going to cheat on is definitely not nutritious. We don't all say we're going to break a fast with green beans. Actually, we do. Monica does. <laughs> um, right? green beans. I love it. Also, just to add to that, you know, a lot of times, you know, that mindless eating, you know, is created by just that impulsive thought. We don't like if we were to sit down and spend like five minutes just thinking about it, it would probably prevent us from wanting to eat crap. So even just, usually it's just subconscious. You just reach out for it. You know, it's just like social media. We're so used to getting on social media all the time that you don't even think about it. Like I took a little detox this weekend from social media and I cannot tell you how many times I subconsciously logged into my phone and I was like, oh gosh, I'm not supposed to be on Instagram. So I think it's the same thing with food. If we actually sit down and for like five minutes, sit with those feelings, those emotions, like, okay, why am I feeling like this? Why do I want to eat? Why do I want to break my fast and do, you know, bad things? So sorry, I just wanted to offer. Right, no, definitely. And I think there's something to be said about comfort eating. I think all of us have in some way, shape or form, we've been raised to celebrate with cake and celebrate with treats. And I think it's something that's really just embedded in ourselves and in our childhood and socially, right? When people go out, they drink, they eat, they're merry. And so I think 
really we have to be very cognizant of everything that we put in our body and the timing of when we put into our body, right? Because time-restricted eating is a very big tool that can be utilized for good and for bad. And I think really it comes down to stress is managing your stress and being able to handle when these thoughts come up is really being able to decipher the stem of it, where it's coming from and and why you want to break the fast. And if you are going to break the fast, what's making you break in such a bad manner, meaning eating something unhealthy or something that you're going to regret. And I think for me, it's really having, goes back to having an accountability partner. If there's somebody around that you have that you can share your emotions with and say, you know what, I'm thinking about breaking it. That one person could do so much for you. And it it literally could be a text, a call, and just having that accountability partner and say, you know what, I'm not feeling too good. Are you available for a call? Because that simple conversation with that person can change the way that that whole interaction and that whole situation will go to. So for me, you know, Monica has been essential in my fasting journey and really my husband too. I always reach out to people. I'm not one to keep things to myself and say, hey, things are going hunky-dory because they're not and they do get tough. That's right there. Absolutely. Having accountability partners, one or 10, the more, the better, honestly, if they're, if they keep you accountable and you're the same, you're my accountability partner. And, you know, like we chatted earlier, I was like, Oh my gosh, I did this. And, you know, so yeah, that makes a huge, huge difference. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So ultimately I think it boils down to stress. Stress comes in different ways and shapes and forms. And I think being aware of what's causing you to break. When I say break, it'd be more of an emotional, psychological kind of inkling. And again, a lot of it too could be hormonal. But ultimately for me, it boils down to the stress that I'm feeling. Maybe I had a, a, a tough case and it went, it didn't go as swift as I thought it would. So I don't know why our mind just goes for thinking, I'm going to have a bag of chips or I'm going to eat some ice cream or I'm going to have, you know, a glass of wine because that will make me feel good. And I think the last part of that is we've convinced our brain that these foods will make us feel better because deep down inside, we have made the decision that these things are going to make us feel better. So if you switch that conversation to having a cold glass of water is going to make you feel better, then I think you're on the right path is really just switching that conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, especially right now too, during this unprecedented times where, you know, our normal routines are being so completely disrupted by this COVID, you know, that's an additional stress, you know, yeah. keep being home, working from home, dealing with your spouse all day, gyms being closed, that can very easily lead to a path, like a really bad path with food, that relationship, that comfort with the food. So we have to be especially super mindful during this time, during the additional stress audit by COVID. I agree. And so what do you do when you get off the wagon, when you mess up and like, Cause I know sometimes it takes people like they mess up and then it takes them forever to get back. And I see this commonly. A lot of my clients will message me. It's like, 
I've gotten off the track and I just can't get back on it, you know? So like, what do you do? What would you suggest people do so to get off the track? Yeah, that's a great question. So what do I do? So I have not really gotten off track too bad. I mean, I've, so the first thing I do is if I'm going to go off track, I do it for one day. I don't usually do it for more than one day because after that, things start to really derail, right? So if you do it off that day, I have told myself that if I'm getting off track, I have to walk that night. So I've made it a point that if I am going to get off track, I have to still salvage something and I have to walk that night. Mm -hmm. So if I do get off track, I have made a contract with myself that if I ate a little bit more or I ate something I wasn't supposed to, or I broke a fast before the time was allotted, I will go and walk. And I say to myself, I will walk at least five miles. So I made a contract to myself that that's what I would do. And I've been sticking to it. It's almost like having a plan A and a plan B. What would your plan B be, right? And you have to just have that in place, almost like an evacuation route. How are we going to get yourself out of it? You don't want to have that mindset of like, oh, I messed up already, so I'm just going to go all in and have the whole cheesecake, right? So yeah. Oh, no. You have no. to kind of pause and stop yourself and be like, okay, I messed up. I'm going to stop right here and I'm going to reevaluate and forgive, most importantly, forgive myself because you don't want to make yourself guilty because that usually is what's going to lead to binge which i'm going to discuss later you're going to go on binge and then it's going to be hard because you have you have all the sugar in your system all the chemicals in your brain kind of get all messed up and another thing is going into a 72 hour fast that's kind of what i did a few times that i messed up and ate chocolate and stuff going into that 72 hour fast the sooner than you you can do it the quicker it kind of desensitizes those chemicals in your brain, I guess, or balances them. So you're not feeling like you're going crazy because you want sugar. That's helped me. I mean, you're a very strong woman and you have a really good like discipline, daily discipline. But let's say someone that has gotten off the wagon for like a month, let's say, or a week. And now another week goes by and they're just like, trying and trying like what would you suggest to somebody like that i would suggest the first thing is just like you mentioned is not be so hard on yourself deal with the emotions and be okay with it and once you've passed that the simplest thing that i could say is recommit recommit to yourself what are you committed to are you committed to losing weight are you committed to not eating junk food recommit to yourself whatever that may look like you can write it down on a piece of paper sign it you can have an affirmation of of it i would say recommit to your goals what are you committed to and is what you're doing at the specific moment does that align with your commitment so if you're still binging obviously that doesn't align with the commitment you almost have to switch gears and recommit, either start a new fast, drink water, detox, whatever that may look like. But really it comes down to recommitting to yourself. And it's not even telling somebody, hey, I messed up, I'm gonna do it again. 
Because at the end of the day, the only person that matters is that person that's staring back at you when you look in the mirror. So really that recommitted to your goals would be my best answer. Yeah, and just remind yourself why you started this whole journey in the first place. And just because you have a mess up, even if it's a week, it is okay. We all go through it, especially women. We're going to discuss hormones and stuff in the future podcasts. But as women, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of hormonal changes. Sometimes there are things that we don't have control over. So the number one thing, like you mentioned, Angelica, is forgiveness. You have to forgive yourself because that guilt makes it 10 times worse. And then you go, that's why you just keep going into those binges or you keep messing up for weeks after week because you're, you feel so bad and you feel so guilty and you're like, just F it. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. So that's very important. Yeah. I think a lot of people have know the term crash and burn. I think sometimes you almost have to hit rock bottom and whatever rock bottom may look like that could be 20 pounds, heavy, 10 pounds, heavy, not been fasting, whatever that may be look like you ate the whole row of Oreos, maybe ate the whole package, whatever it may be. But sometimes for some people, because of the extreme measures that they will take would need extreme measures, right? So going back into a fast and just recommitting, but yeah, it's incredible how quickly somebody can get derailed, but as easy as you derailed yourself, as easy as you could get back on track is really just making that commitment to yourself. Yeah, it is 99% mental. I always say that everything weight loss related food and all that stuff is 99% mental. And I love that you mentioned like, write it down, writing it down makes a huge difference too. Cause you're actually, it's like letting those thoughts, those emotions that you you're going through or whatever else you're putting that on the paper. And it, when you actually reread it, it almost sounds kind of different. You're like, Oh, you know what? That wasn't so bad. Like writing it down. That's a great habit to get into, especially for somebody that's just starting this journey of weight loss with fasting, because I see more of this like emotional binge eating and getting off wagon and getting back on, especially in people that are new to fasting because they kind of get on that hype or like, oh my gosh, I did a 72 hour fast. I lost all this weight. So now I can eat. You kind of feel deprived because you haven't eaten for a little while. Once you get kind of used to the fasting and how it works, I think it really helps to kind of not do those back and forth binges because I did that all last year and I completely can relate to someone that's just now starting and they're kind of like oh my gosh now I need to eat because I haven't eaten for three days and when you eat and then it turns into like a week-long binge because you end up eating the wrong foods like bad type of carbs junk food you always want to kind of stick to healthy meals. I don't like necessarily put myself in a certain category of like on keto on this because I feel like that creates a lot of additional stress. So I'll refeed with healthy carbs. I'll have some sweet potato. I'll have some protein. I'll have some fat, whatever it is. But as long as you keep it clean, don't go and have ice cream or better yet, alcohol. What you eat really makes a huge difference because that will 
you're going to choose whatever you end up eating later on because of what you ate on that refeed. Yeah, definitely. You hit on something really interesting. I call it the deprivation syndrome, where you convince yourself that you haven't had anything to eat in X amount of time. So I'm going to eat this. And it's almost like, because it's happened to me where it's time to eat and your mind says, it's like, it's never going to eat again. And so you try to squeeze in all these yummy foods in this small amount of time. Even when you're doing OMAD, you decide you're going to eat something. And for some reason in your mind, your mind leads you to believe that eat whatever you can in like the next two hours. So I think people instead of eating the healthy stuff, we'll go for the bad stuff because they only have like one or two hours to eat. So let's just smash as much food as we possibly can. And again, that's that deprivation syndrome where I've just been deprived of not eating for so long that I'm going to eat what I want. And I think that's another big issue with getting off track is you do finish the fast, but then you're not refeeding with nutritious food that's going to give you vitamins and nutrients that you need to for your body to absorb. Mm -hmm. And so whatever you give your body, that's what it's going to absorb. And it could be good or bad. So yeah, I feel like when I fast, and I had those good fasts, like, I feel the happiest, like because the hormones in your brain, their happy hormones are produced during fasting. So look at food as a source of fuel for your brain. Don't look at food, I guess, as a joy. Look at it as a fuel for your brain. So you're not just using it as a joy to make yourself happy. And it's almost like you kind of have to reprogram your brain to kind of think like that. And, you know, obviously it's not going to happen overnight. You have to be patient with yourself and just kind of keep reminding yourself that food is fuel. It's not something that's just going to make you happy. Fasting and those happy hormones is what produces happiness. Also, it helps to, like, I know you, you're a carb eater, but like initially at the beginning, what also helps to not get off track so quickly is being fat adapted and having healthier type of carbs, like having carbs that's from veggies or like a little bit of sweet potato, not going into like just a big pile of carbs because that will probably make you rebound faster, you know, after you eat that kind of stuff. So I think that really helps as well, just to kind of get yourself fat adapted. And when you do get out of ketosis, do it for a small period of time and then go and burn those carbs off. Yeah. And then it goes to the metabolic flexibility where your body can go from burning ketones to burning glycogen and glucose. The brain prefers glucose, but it works really well with ketones as well. The funny thing is our brain is actually metabolically flexible already and we just have to follow it with that and i think it's really interesting that we have the tools and we just have to switch that it's almost like a little switch yeah. that all you need to do so that you can get on track so yeah after over time i don't know where i read this but also one of the benefits of fasting is fasting actually helps to open up and repair those damaged dopamine receptor sites so you're actually you are more satisfied with smaller amount of food instead of like eating piles of food to satisfy that, that addiction to food because food is addicting. So yeah. another thing is like 
use fasting as a lifestyle or make sure you think of it as a lifestyle, not just one time thing. Oh, I'm going to fast. I'm going to do rolling 72s back to back this whole month. And I'm going to go back into eating normal stuff. It doesn't work. You have to build that good foundation of fasting focused lifestyle with a good diet variation. I think we both, Angelica and I are both very, we don't label ourselves a certain way, keto, carnivore, not that there's anything wrong with it, but we kind of eat. I mean, I even have dessert here and there and I plan it out before I do have it. So I think that kind of helps you take, I think we said that earlier, it takes that stress off, in my opinion, when you're not labeling yourself certain way, and then you're like, oh, but my friends know I'm keto, and I can't have this and that because I'm keto. Yeah, I think that's very important. Also, one thing I want to throw in there is really, the bigger goal is to maintain weight loss. That's the hardest thing to do is the maintenance part. And in order to get there, you have to make this a lifestyle, just like Monica said. And it's very important that, okay, I get to my goal weight and I'm going to stop walking or I'm going to start eating again. Well, that's the root of the problem is that you have to change something that has not been working in the past. You can't just change for a small amount of time. And then once you get to your goal, you can revert back to what you were doing before. Well, what's going to happen is you're just going to gain the weight back and you're going to start from beginning. You're going to be back at square one. Well, you're going to regain even more, probably. People end up regaining 10 pounds more when they get off of it. And yeah, if you can start changing that mental relationship with food, it's almost like a superpower. It really is. Because when you can see a thing, a plate of fresh baked home cookies and if you can walk away from it, it's not that you can't have those cookies. You can, but you have it on your own terms. It's not because they're right there and you feel like you should be binge eating because it's just like right there. So in my opinion, I think having that superpower of being able to walk away from something that you didn't plan is not restrictive, in my opinion. It almost kind of gives you that freedom. I agree. You know, it's funny. My husband and I, we had Vietnamese sandwiches last week. I think it was before I did my 72 and my husband bought extra sandwiches and he's like, Hey, do you want to split a second sandwich? And I was like, no, because I wanted to keep my calories for something else. And in the past I'd be like, yeah, let's eat two sandwiches. And I think having control of that is very invaluable where you could just say, I rather I don't really drink I rather use my calories because you're drinking calories when you drink and I I rather use my calories to eat something instead of drink it and so when you get to that point where you can say no to something it's really rewarding yeah yeah healing that mental relationship with food I think that's the key and I can't say it enough like i i'll repeat it it is mental 99 percent weight loss and food addictions is mental obviously i do have to want i do want to mention this here if you have like food addiction like real food addiction or like bulimia or anorexia that is way beyond of what we're discussing here usually people with like really bad bulimia they do have to go and seek professional help because they need 
that weekly, daily help reprogramming that mental relationship with food. So keep that in mind. If you really do have like a bulimia or anorexia, you should go talk to someone because that is the only way to heal that mental relationship with food. Yeah, I agree. And it's very interesting how when you're growing up, the relationship of food or with food that you created when you're growing up, a lot of times like, and when I was growing up, we were not allowed to leave leftovers on the plate. And because there was food scarcity, I, I grew up during communism. So you better eat everything on the plate. And maybe that was you, maybe leaving any type of leftovers on your plate felt like waste or it was associated with some type of pain when you were growing up. Or maybe you were not allowed to throw away food on the plate because it was scarce. You didn't have the money when you're growing up. So that's also important to kind of remember that because I'm the kind of person like I have to finish everything on my plate and I am relearning that relationship I have with food and I had to look back to when I was growing up and the relationship I created over years of finishing food. So that's important too, to kind of think about the habits that you've created over the years. And then if you are craving something, let's say you're craving a cheesecake, your brain, and you tell yourself like, I cannot have cheesecake because I'm on a diet. Your, your brain will associate that cheesecake as scarce. And you, you're going to want it even more because your brain, your brain is quite simple. It naturally wants to avoid pain. And it just kind of wants to give you things that you want. It is quite easy. So when you look at that cheesecake and you say, you know what, I can have this cheesecake, but I'm choosing to have frozen yogurt. So then this cheesecake is not going to be scarce in your mind. So your mind is not going to constantly think of like, oh my God, I need to have this cheesecake because I can't have it. So this way... Your mind will not feel that scarcity and you, you just told your mind it's not scarce. It's there and you can have it when you want to. So food is everywhere. It's not in short supply. We're not going to run out of pizza. We're not going to run out of ice cream. It is everywhere. We're not cavemen when we had to go and hunt for food and find it. It is everywhere. Yeah, I agree. I think the relationship we have with food is molded as our childhood, right? The, yeah. It's something that is taught. I grew up in a very cultural background where it was disrespectful to go to somebody's house and not finish your food or even think about throwing food away. Even like if you were going to go out of a buffet and I think buffets are, it's like an overeater's dream, right? And, and really a dream for everybody because it's like all this food here and, and the environment is to eat as much as you can because this, this is the sport that we're in when we go into this buffet. And I think, yeah, I think our ideas, our ideals and our understanding of food is what we're brought up thinking or, or developing because of uh, it's learned behavior. So this is really funny. My mom, she cooks a lot. She's like a chef and she, we had a lot of really good meals growing up she had a catering business. And so we were always around food and cooking food, but my mother hated eating out. So we rarely ate out as children. And I think- Why, is that? Why did she hate 
eating out. Because it was unhealthy. So I grew up in a childhood where being skinny and being thin was the ideal. And so if you weren't skinny and you weren't thin, because my mother was always very thin, then it was a problem. And so I think that that kind of, I was anorexic when I was younger. I was going through adolescence and I was going through that period where you have like your chubby stage where you're still chubby and you're kind of growing your, your boobs and you're, you're growing into a woman. And I was a little, I was chubby and I, and I remember somebody said something to me and it probably was a, a, you know, a classmate said, Oh, well, your mom, your mom is really thin. And I associated me not being thin like my mother And I started to starve myself because I wasn't, I wasn't thin and I needed to be thin and people were, were noticing it. And so, you know, I starved myself to 98, I want to say 89 pounds. I was 5'3", 89 pounds. And I think what I learned from that experience of starving yourself is that it's all a mental thing when anorexics look, look at themselves in the mirror, they, they see something that's not there. They see themselves as bigger than they really are. And it's almost like a mental disparity. It's not really there. It doesn't exist. You manifest this in your mind. And I think with a lot of eating disorders, we really have to take into account that somebody said something to us and we made it mean something else. And then that manifested into the idea of I'm fat, I'm skinny, I'm not good enough, I'm not whatever, you're not good enough, you're not lovable, you're whatever it manifests into. And I think food is the easiest form of comfort, because it's readily available, it's already there, and we're already abusing it. Because that's just how we were all brought up. You have a birthday and you're going to have cake and ice cream Mm. and you can't be at a birthday party without cake and ice cream. Right. It's almost like an embedded code. So yeah, something to consider. Yeah. That's very interesting. And just remember like you are in charge of your mind and your food choices. Nobody can make you eat or stuff something in your face. You can choose healthier choices Tell your mind, visualize that whole, like, I want to be slim and fit and sexy, healthy. Visualization is huge. It's just like you can create an image of, I'm overweight, I'm not happy, blah, blah, blah. I mean, when I was in my early 20s, I was in the best shape of my life, but my self-image was horrible. I thought I was fat. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how did I think I was fat back then? It really is like creating that visual image of what you want to be and relearning those bad mental habits that we have, that we have created over time, the way we talk to ourselves. Again, our minds are very simple. So yeah, just start thinking of yourself better. Start visualizing what you want to be. Even though you might not be where you want to be, you might be overweight right now, don't shame yourself. Accept yourself. And just remind yourself that, you know what, this is it. This is the last time I'm going to be in this stage of my life where I'm unhappy, I'm overweight. I've been there. So if you're struggling right now, just be kind to yourself. Forgive yourself because forgiveness is giving up the right to be angry at yourself. And that is huge. If you don't forgive yourself, 
you can't love yourself. I think that's huge. Forgiveness and self-acceptance to start this whole process of changing those mental, mental habits that we've created over time. And take your time. You messed up. You're going to mess up. I mean, we still mess up all the time. I'm, I'm not perfect and I don't plan on being perfect. I'm planning to learn and be better about my emotions, how I feel and how I'm dealing with that and how I'm using food to not comfort my emotions or my feelings or my boredom. We talk about binge eating. I think you asked me that a little while ago and you're like, binge eating, what do you mean by binge eating? And I think there's just, binge eating is just such a wide category. I think it's just like eating because you're bored, eating because you're sad, eating because you're happy, eating because because you just want to eat. So just be very mindful of your emotions and how you're dealing with stress. Yeah. I think one thing to add to that is that really was very valuable for me was what you look like now when you make a commitment to yourself is not what you're going to look like tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And who you are now as a person is good enough. You're good enough, right? We're just making adjustments as we go along, kind of like refine tuning who we are. But I think one of my biggest pet peeves when people reach out to me and want support with fasting is, well, I'll start on Monday. I'll start after the birthday party. I'll start after the pool party. I'll start after Labor Day. The problem is the events aren't going to stop. There's always going to be a birthday. There's always going to be an event. And it's almost like giving your commitment now. Why can't you start now? Well, because I want to start on Monday. And I think it's is that mindset that we're going to start at a later time, at a later time, and we're going to keep moving things backwards. And I think that goes to say is when people say, when I'm thin, I'm going to be happier. When I have a better job, I'm going to be happier. When I make more money, I'm going to be happier. Why can't you be happy now at this moment in time? Why do you have to weigh a certain weight, have the specific job, have the specific partner? I think it's everything starts now. There's no reason to put it off because you've been putting it off for the last 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years and really do something for yourself and start now. Don't wait until the weekend is over or until the holidays are over because there's always going to be holidays and birthdays and whatnot. So the best time to start is now. I love that. I love that you brought that up. That is such a good point. And you can start now. And you know what? If you have an event this weekend, a birthday party, you can incorporate that, plan that out into your schedule, into your fasting or your eating. If you're going to plan on having cake, put that in and maybe fast the day before so you don't feel guilty about it. That is a great point. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because, Mm -hmm. yes, I was one of those people. I was like, I'm going to start Monday, and then Monday happens. I don't start because there's something else that came up or you're stressed out, and life is going to happen. Stress is going to happen. Unpredictable stuff, predictable stuff, whatever it is. I mean, it could be even just stuff like bad day at work. How are you going to deal with a bad day at work? You have to find ways to mentally deal with that stuff because otherwise 
cortisol stress and next thing you know you're on a binge or you're off the wagon and then life happens life is going to continue to happen you just got to start learning how to react to those things or have a plan have a plan in place evacuation plan for yourself it's almost like a life vest what's going to be your life vest what are you going to utilize in place so that you don't dive off the deep end and if you do dive off the deep end how are you going to surpass that and just like you said monica we're not perfect we're human we do like to treat ourselves and it's okay to treat ourselves we just have to have control around that treat and we have to have understanding of it what are we making it mean what do you mean whenever you eat ice cream are you making it i'm eating this ice cream am i fat am i worthless what are you making it mean and mm-hmm. really there should not be no meaning in it you're eating the ice cream because you're eating the ice cream that's it just be very mindful how you using food don't use it as a reward that should, oh, I'm going to have a treat. You're not a dog. <laughs> you don't deserve treats as food. Have a treat as a new piece of clothing or something that's not food related. Food should, again, look at it as a fuel. It should not yeah. be a treat. And if you do want to have that cake for some, you know, your son's birthday and you make that conscious decision, I'm going to have the cake, have it. But don't be like, oh, I deserve a treat because blah, blah, blah. No. Don't use food as a reward system, okay? Nothing wrong with having that piece of cake, but getting used to seeing that as a reward is what's going to get you in trouble later on. So, yeah, reward yourself a nice new outfit or relaxing walk or vacation, like Angelica's gone on vacation. I'm super jealous. Reward yourself with stuff like that. Yeah. Choose better quality of food that, are going to fuel your mind and you're going to feel better. I always like to tell people the best way to reward yourself in quotes, whatever reward looks like to you is self-care. It has to fall under self-care. So that can look like a bubble bath, a facial, a foot rub, go get a massage, go sleep in a dark room, whatever it may be, but it has to be around self-care because I don't think that people do enough self-care for themselves. Did you get an extra hour of sleep? Soak in the tub a little bit longer, go and get a nice perfume or whatever you were saying. Rewards don't have to be edible. They don't have to be something that you're consuming and, and eating. Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah, self-care is huge. Yes. And I think that that is a great way to shift that reward towards something that's non-food related. We were talking about alcohol earlier, and I actually get this question from a lot of people, because I haven't drank in like since April 14. So what, five, six months now, five months. And I wasn't like a heavy drinker, but I enjoyed my wine. And whenever I would go out with my friends, I would say like, oh, I cannot have a drink because I'm trying to lose weight and count my calories, blah, blah. And every time I would break and end up having drinks with my friends because instead of telling myself like this time that I did, I can have wine, but I don't like the way it makes me feel in the morning, the headaches, the grogginess, the hangover. So what I did here is I associated the wine with pain. 
this way my my brain starts to avoid that pain instead of like thinking of wine it's like oh i'm gonna have feel have that fizzy buzz and feel good so i stopped thinking of it as a good thing as a buzz or whatever and there's nothing wrong with that if you if you enjoy a glass of wine or a drink and you enjoy that buzz that's fine but just over time if you want to stop drinking and same thing with food associated with pain like something that oh i felt bloated after i ate that piece of cake or i felt sluggish start changing that relationship with food or whatever it is in your mind shift that focus on on that unpleasant side of that food or alcohol it really i know it's like it seems like super simple but it really helps it really makes a big difference and to be honest like i haven't craved like wine or wanted to drink because i have felt so good you know every every morning i wake up and i'm like oh i feel so good i have energy i can go to the gym and as you get older those hangovers get worse and i don't want to stall my weight loss because i'm detoxing from drinking alcohol so keep that in mind as well yeah Definitely. Oh, no, I agree. I think there's a lot of information for people to digest and really take on and make a difference. So ultimately, we're here to make a difference, touch, move and inspire people to be the best version of themselves that they can be. We both have gone through pretty big transformation journey during this COVID era. We both lost, I lost like 60 something pounds during this time since April and you've lost close to 50, right? Yeah. So this is normally, I think if I continue eating like the way I was eating and stressed out and feeling sorry for myself because we're in a COVID era, I probably would have been probably 50 pounds heavier by now. So I, you know, I look back and, you know, these short five months, like it makes such a big difference when you commit and you just dedicate yourself and you keep reminding yourself why you're doing it. Next thing you know, you wake up and you're like, wow, I am 60 pounds lighter. I get called skinny meanie at work. Not that I'm like skinny yet, but like people call me skinny meanie. And I'm like, I'm never gonna like not enjoy that. Like I have never been called skinny meanie. So keep that in mind. Keep visualizing where you want to be. I have a vision board upstairs. I have pictures of myself lean and I would wake up every morning when I went up there upstairs and meditated and did my morning routine. I would look at those pictures and I would just visualize, yep, that's how I'm going to look at. Not that you're like creating something unreal. You are taking your mind, your vision, where you want to be. If you want a nice car, you have to have a vision like, well, what kind of car you want to have? You just say a car, a car, whatever kind of car. How are you going to get the car that you want if you don't have the vision? And then also that reticular activating system in your brain, RAS, I'm sure you know what that is because you're a psychologist, but that RAS, when you associate something in your brain that you want, like let's say a new car, like that new Lamborghini or Ferrari, you're going to start seeing that car everywhere. How often does that happen? Or when you think of a certain color, like color red, suddenly you're seeing that color everywhere. So that's why you need to let that RAS in your mind, in your brain, help you achieve your goals by 
creating your thought process and thinking of what you want so you can get closer to that. I agree. And I think one thing that really helped me along my journey was the positive affirmations. So writing down five positive affirmations and repeating them five times in the morning when you wake up in the mirror and before you go to bed, your brain associates who you are and how you act based on the affirmations. And every time we tell ourselves, I look fat, I look ugly, I'm not good enough, your brain takes that feedback in and becomes that. So if you keep telling yourself, I'm wonderful, I'm energetic, I'm able and capable, I'm athletic, your brain will start to pick up on those affirmations and will start becoming that. And so I think that's very important. Change your affirmations based on your goals as you go along in life. And I think that's huge. That's helped me along my journey. And and yeah, we still sometimes will have those negative affirmations that come in and go and, and just catch them. Catch them as they are processed through your brain because your brain listens to everything. It listens to everything. It's like a sponge. Yeah, and I actually, funny you say that, my affirmations are written down on my phone and it pops up as a reminder every morning and I read them. I have been reading them for the last six months and actually it helps when you say it out loud. Whatever you want in your life, when you repeat those things, you will it will help you attract those things. So yeah, that's, that's right. important. Yeah, have a, have a reminder in your phone. Write down things that you want to achieve or where you want to go towards and read them out loud. Read them out loud every day. I'm enough. I am sexy. I am healthy. I am worthy. And say those things out loud and actually believe in those things. You don't have to be there quite yet. But when you start visualizing and talking to yourself like you already are, it will help you get there quicker. I agree. I think continuing to push your limits, I don't know if you guys can see the back where it says the only way to define your limits is by going beyond them. You have the power to do whatever it is that you're trying to do. Nobody else does. The snake juice doesn't. Monica doesn't. I don't your friend, your job, your bank account, they don't have the power to get you to where you want to be. And it all just boils down to you. And again, I'm going to keep saying this until I'm green in the face is having that commitment that you make to yourself. We commit to a lot of things in our lives. And you even commit to eating bad, eating unhealthy, So really having that conversation shift and shifting that conversation to commit yourself to eating healthy, commit yourself to a long, fulfilling life. And I think things will really start to shift. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's a great point. Very good point. Nobody can do it for you. I can be your coach. Angelica can be your coach. We can guide you, but we cannot do the work for you. Ultimately, you're the one that has to decide that you want it and you want it bad enough and you have to do it, stay disciplined. Discipline is amazing. It is so freaking, I love discipline. I think it's the sexiest thing a person can have. If you're disciplined, man, you're golden. You can have talents and whatnot. If you don't have the discipline and the hard work to 
go through what you need to go through, none of your talents are going to help you achieve your goals. So keep that in mind. Yeah. I agree. Great points. Great points. Well, thank you so, so much for joining me on this podcast and this video. I always, like I said, enjoy talking to you and I'm, I love our community on our Facebook group. We have like over, like we have a lot of members on there now. Over 1200. Yeah. Yeah. The ladies on there are amazing. Just such a great supportive community. And yeah, if you haven't joined, definitely join and message us on Facebook. You can message me on Instagram. Angelica is mainly on Facebook on our group. I'm usually on Instagram. That's my main place, but you can message me on Facebook as well. If you guys have any questions or comments, let us know. And thank you so much for listening for taking the time to listen to this. I hope that it was helpful and we're here. We both have full-time jobs, busy lives, but we are here to bring value to you guys because we have struggled with our weight for many, many years. And being able to achieve this awesome success of not only mental transformation, but the weight loss transformation, it's just so freeing. And like, I want to share this journey with you guys. And I know Angelica does. And that's why we're both so passionate about doing what we're doing because it truly does bring us joy. You know, giving back to others is one of the most beautiful things you can do. It brings you happiness and joy. So thank you again, Angelica. You're awesome. And thank you for having me. I really enjoyed our time together. Thank you. I love having you as my partner in crime. (laughs) Always. Always. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share it on your social media and be sure to leave a review on iTunes. Follow Monica on Instagram at fit.fat.hotaf and on Twitter at fitfathotaf.